<laughs> I'm sure they picked that up. Well, you laughing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the filmreview.com podcast. I'm your host, filmreview.com's own Mark Eastman. And with me, as always, is co host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hi. And I sound a little funny today. Now yeah, that I, now that I'm been, listening to myself see, in the headphones, it's it's just a little bit. But now I now I sound, sound a little weird. Up, yeah, I got it's it's allergy day for me. Yeah, uh, the eyes are going crazy. This week uh, we're doing American Ultra. Yeah, and you know, basically just welcome back right. to uh, all our listeners. We've been out of town a lot over the last couple of weeks, and yeah. all sorts all of various craziness happening. So we haven't been around. But we have been getting some emails, even when we're not around, and we have uh, a kind of a dual. It's an email. It's critic takedown. It's a wow. you, you know whole whole kind of thing. Laura in New York, hi Laura, emailed us and said uh, that she finally had to email us because we were doing the critic takedowns. We were talking about them. We were talking about people emailing us right to do the critic takedowns and everything, and. I guess if you go back and listen to when we started talking about it and, yeah. then, and then listen to only what we say on the show and not, you know, what happens in my mind and or what we say, say to after, each other, right? right. We, we, you know, we see each other a lot. Then so. uh, you might not get the whole picture <laughs> of the critic takedowns and everything. And so I guess from the perspective of someone listening to the show, she said, I finally had to write in and say, what are you talking about with wondering why people are giving you all these critic takedown things because it's got to at least partially be from your best of the year list from areyouscreen.com because I kind of I kind of threw out some critics yeah. uh, on a couple of yeah. the movies in my list and she said you know obviously people read that and then said hey you should like do that on the show or something but right. nobody mentioned that right and I didn't really put it together put it because together actually way. there was a span of time there between getting the emails. I don't know. But anyway, so I, I was like, oh, I did kind of, didn't I? So I went back and looked. That makes a bit of sense. Yeah, I went back and looked at my list and uh, and I was like, hey, look at that. So <laughs> so we'll Thank be you, we'll be doing a uh, critic takedown and it's going to be a double because uh, it was it, it worked out. It's, it's we're making up it's the same. Time. It's the same guy. Oh, it, it's okay. the same critic, but uh, as I was making my list uh, and and putting things to, together, and as everyone knows, I hate doing that anyway. Yeah. So anything to kill some time while I'm doing that, right? Right. right. So I started looking at uh, uh, what where the movies were on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and all this stuff, and two of the movies are like really high on Rotten Tomatoes. Or Metacritic, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they're high on both, but they're really high on Rotten Tomatoes. And the only thing basically that's keeping them from being like a hundred right. or like maybe ninety-nine or whatever is one guy. This one guy. Oh pretty man. much this one guy right. who who rates who rates both these movies that are in my top ten really bad. Right. And uh, and he's kind of a real guy too. So yeah. uh, we'll get to that later. Um Nothing. Nothing is. Nothing is going to be as grand <laughs> than when we took down Roger Ebert. Well, 
not sure. to not to disparage the sure. dead, but know. you know he's the he's the grand poobah yeah. of takedowns, you know. But well, this is a guy, and it really started back then. That was right, the first, right. like that was when we were both swinging at the guy. Like, sure. are you kidding me? Right, you know. But well, except that you kept saying that you liked Crystal Skull so much. And, I, uh, I have I have an addendum to that. I liked Crystal Skull more um, because I watched it so much with. Um, my ex-girlfriend's son who loved it and he you, you his had a enjoyment, contextual his enjoyment like for it, it right? sure. his enjoyment for it made me and made me like it or because i loved watching it with him and seeing him get excited right it, it's not a good movie right it's not <laughs> it's but, uh it's interesting but. and uh you know speaking of that not you know i don't really have a lot of news this week uh i've been out of the loop too much right. for like the week i right. could i could tell you some news from a few weeks or something but uh <laughs> but you know more indiana jones is coming yeah and here's here's my fear factor for right. more indiana jones the people involved in making indiana jones yeah uh the one that's going to come to theaters apparently really like crystal skull yeah so <laughs> Right. So that makes me really, really that makes scared. me nervous. That makes me nervous. The yeah. only the only news thing that kind of hit me that that stayed with me was George Miller. And this is so far away. Maybe it will work and maybe it won't. But George Miller of Mad Max Fury Road fame uh, is in slates to be directing the new Man of Steel film. And and that was the only thing that kind of excited that, me that news could be, wise. That could be that, interesting. That could be fun. That could be really fun. But. Everything else, like news stuff, I, I don't. I mean, nobody died. Nobody, right. nobody yeah. got fired. It's, you know, it's it's, it's, all, it's a weird time of year unless you get something like someone dies. Well, the, or something the weird thing is, after we did the last show, which was the Fantastic Four, and we talked about Josh Trank and all the stuff that was going on with him, there was like a weird blip in that three or four day umbrella of that opening weekend being so terrible. Right, and there was some more information coming out of him. And I thought, I wonder how long this has as a longevity for telling, like, is he going to come back out and say, no, you guys screwed me and you were tapping my phone or, you know, right. how, how long did that go? And then it just kind of fizzled and yeah. it went away and it was, and then it was out of my head too. It's, it's that kind of story. But really. I think about, I think about it just a little bit because, um, uh, to tie it back to American Ultra, the guy that wrote it, uh, Max Landis, he wrote Chronicle, and right. Chronicle was Josh Trank's big thing. And I love Chronicle, so right. it's kind of weird to see. So now it's like back person, to back, back to back films ooh, by who who were both connected right. to a film I had a lot of fun with, and I still think is really good. I haven't rewatched right. Chronicle though. I, I don't know if I've ever. No, you still haven't gotten a chance to see it. See I want to sometime this month if I can. I, we're getting out of August pretty fast. Here. Right. I want to try to see it again while it's still in my head. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It's, it's one of those kind of stories. The, yeah. uh, his backlash against his own movie right. kind of thing. It's really one of those stories where that story doesn't have a lot of legs unless you get something like where the producers and people from the studio, whatever, like then respond and say, what are you talking about? We let you do everything you want. I mean, unless, yeah, really. unless they, there's some kind of, you know, new, Right. flip to the story yeah. where it's yeah. uh but if nobody else says anything then it that's only a story that's going to last so long right it's you know it'd be different if he was like steven spielberg right who said well unbelievably they tied right. my hands which they, right. they could never yeah. happen but yeah but if it was some like big name but you know you get him if the movie even had maybe done a little bit better right 
maybe it would have some more legs, right. but it did so bad that yeah. it's like nobody cares no. what the news yeah. is or or whatever. Yeah. So it was funny that it was it was really there for yeah. a couple days. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, right. I'm, there's a new news. Right. Or whatever. Yeah, right. whatever. There's, there's a, a another movie came out and no one cares. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a weird time right now because there's kind of like this weird lull in really trying to push things. We're at the time. It, it, it's funny to be uh, fairly connected to the industry year after year after year because there's this big lull right about now where all the movie studios kind of go, okay, TV, you can like right. have the attention now. fire up again. <laughs> since yeah. it's like fall TV shows are coming. Yep. Now everyone's going to talk about, and like all the movies, like dial back a little bit yeah. on how hard they're pushing things. Yeah. And, and then in the middle of September or so, all the shows will be out. Yep. And then it will be time to massively push everything that comes out in November through December, yeah. whatever. And, and it's just, it's a weird like feeling. And even the movies that come out, you know, the, the studios, which it's not like they don't own the, TV networks or anyway, are connected right, or, you know, still. it's like Disney, ABC, yeah. Universal, people owning pieces of other things anyway. So it's not like really they're being that nice. They're just being that nice to themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's weird. Even the movies that come out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like no giant movies come out when it's time for the new fall season so right, <laughs> they, right. they just say uh we'll put like we're, hitman we're and right, right. american ultra and you know some yeah. smaller you know things but they're not going to have like you know the the well, slate of marvel movies right, do not, not encroach on the beginning of september it's, you know? it's strange i was just looking at the upcoming list and i'm like i don't i mean i recognize films but there's not there's no more summer films you know, and, and rightly so, I guess, once you're back in school, summer is over. But I think the next thing that's kind of weirdly slated that's summer-ish, and uh, not that this is really why to talk about it, but the Maze Runner film in the middle of September. Just scorched. Said, and I'm like, God, that seems like that should have been an August release, if not a, Ju a July release. Right. Why that? And then it just reminds me of every year we get to this point and we're like, why does the summer end before July 4th? And why do they right. put all these films out in October again? It's just really strange. Right. It's, really uh, it's, it's interesting. The, the, you know, marketing efforts yeah. and plans and stuff and, you know, yeah. who's out of school, who wants to see her movie and right. whatever. Anyway. Uh, so nothing like super exciting for news. So American Ultra, we'll just uh, dive, no, no, no dive other in. emails. Laura was the Laura was the biggest of them. Laura was the yeah. interesting email yeah. that uh, we got several emails. Not, but again, you know, nobody really asking something that you can put into right, like into a, question a question to like really address. Yeah. But uh, we did get some emails. We love getting emails, even if love it, even if they are not necessarily something that. Uh, we can do something with on the air, but still we love right. getting the emails. Uh, so thanks to everybody who sends those in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So American ultra Kristen Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um, God, I'm Connie Britton. I was like blanking on her name. For Topher Grace. Topher Grace. And, um, uh, and, and uh, uh, Walton Goggins. Yeah. Walton Goggins. Love seeing him. Well, he, he was you know, weird, he was he was good, up. but he was really wasted. He was, he was in a role. He's really good he's he, i would watch him in all kinds he of stuff. is a really I want him to work really good actor and just over the course of the last few years um in sons of anarchy where he guest appeared a bit 
and uh, in Justified, where he was really a major, a major a major character he's, he's in Justified. Amazing. Yeah. He was so good in yeah. both of those. And then every time he pops up in something else, if he's got half a chance, he's yeah. really good. Right. You can't really say that he's really good in this. Right. It's fun to see him in he's it. He's memorable. But he doesn't get anything, he doesn't get anything to, do to work with. Really. with. Right. He's got a role here that just about anyone, you know, could have right. could have pulled off. I, I like it, I like so. him. Well, I mean, we're jumping into part of it, but yeah. I like him in this film because the scene he does have to make you remember what's happening. And and one of my criticisms and compliments of the film centers around the scene. He's great in like there's a moment where he and Jesse Eisenberg are just exhausted and beaten and they're sitting right, across right, from each right. other. And they have 60 seconds of dialogue. It's great. Uh, and it's great because he's great. And yet they don't in and, a way. And, and, right. The, and it's like this. They, they have they have five seconds of dialogue. Right. And but they take 60 right, seconds right. to give it. And, uh, and, I, and I love and that, everything that, he does. That, in that, that is scene, a that is know? a really good scene. Yeah. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg's really good in that scene too. He, actually. he is, and he he's—I to... don't think I like him a lot, uh, and and I like him in most everything. That he's everything done. he's been in. Yeah, he's not that great in this though. Uh, I mean, I he's, he's he's good enough, and yeah. he's fun in the fun parts and everything. But he's not that great in this. Like, if this was the first thing you ever saw him in, you wouldn't right. become a fan right. all of a sudden. You know, he doesn't. He's not. I just and I suspect a bit of that is. You know, they cast him because he could play, at least for me, they cast Jesse. Well, I mean, I see Jesse Eisenberg being cast because he is really good at one half of the quotient for, you know, the right. character. He's exactly. really good at the kind of scattered, stoner, down on his luck kind of guy, but right. not the lethal killing Jason Bourne machine. Right. He's not that guy at all. And when he is that guy, and as the movie precipitates, he has to be that guy almost nonstop. That's when the film kind of weakens itself. Right. But when he's the first half of the film, he's great. Right. You know, but I just don't, he's, he's, even when he's, you know, he has, okay. So anyway, all right. We let's, should, we let's should do this right. We should stop. We're telling, uh, we're telling our reviews like go, fiction away, stories right. at this point. Uh, okay. So, you know, for me, this was uh, pretty solidly, I, I should say too, I went into this movie with some, I think you were pretty high right. expectations because right. the trailer looked so fun. Yeah. And, uh, I thought, you know, going into the movie from that trailer, that this was be kind of, you know, just nonstop. It's not like a thrill ride, but it's like a fun ride. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like just going to be all of these cool parts yep. and his dialogue and everything. So that could skew my rating um, yeah. because I had so really high expectations. Right. Yeah. I thought this was pretty solidly a six for me. Yeah. It's like it. it it ended up, you know, the first half of the film, or maybe not quite all the way to half, but yep. the first part of the film, except that it starts off really slow. Yep. But uh, other than that, the first part of the film, I was probably leaning towards like seven and a half, maybe even eight. I was probably thinking it could get to eight if right. it went in the right ways. Yep. But by the time it gets all the way through it, the sad thing, too, is that I, I really like Connie Britton. Yeah. But it's like the more she's in it, the more you wonder why she's in it. Yeah. <laughs> because her her character doesn't really do anything exactly. Her character kind of exists like uh, we need him to talk to somebody right. at this point. We need someone on his side. Make up a guy. Put, and, put someone in. And right. something, you know, and it and it never really kind of solidified into a whole thing. So and, and I'm yet, I'm six. Did you did you didn't you like her when she 
when she was in a uh, an affect to his story, to Mike's story, I was bored by her. When she was a foil for Topher Grace's character, right. I loved it. Right. Like that's when she needs to be in the film. And, and you know, and, I think I think part of the thing was that Topher Grace, his character, yeah. was horrible. Right. But they just couldn't get that. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with that side of the story yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I. I'm at five and a half. I wavered almost two six. I think I was at six for a bit. And then I just come back to some of the stuff that I feel like was, I mean, disappointing isn't really the word. I didn't have super expectations going in. Oh, I don't even mind interrupting myself. If you were going to grade the movie, I know this is the stupid way to do it. Maybe we'll never do it again. But if you were going to rate the movie on the trailer you saw, you know, because sometimes we see an amazing trailer and I'm right. like, that movie's an eight. Right. Like if it's like what I just saw, it'd be eight at least. Right. You feel seven, seven, eight, like that. Like you were saying, like you think it could have been because the trailer actually. You mean like looked, just the trailer? Just the trailer. If I, oh, okay. And I, I mean, rate the I, trailer. I mean, like the, the movie that you expect that trailer to deliver. Because I feel we do this in the show. I actually feel like we kind of got the movie that the trailer shows in I, a way. I, I don't think we do. Uh, I, I kind of disagree there. I don't think I got the movie from the trailer. Yeah. Uh, I got a movie that first of all is, uh, way more talky than I yeah. expected and has way more, uh, stuff going on that, it, you know, it all of a sudden it wants to be slow. There's something going on. I think a little weird with the direction of this movie yeah. where, uh, the movie is like rolling along wanting to be what it is. And then all of a sudden there's, I don't know if this is, you know, from the screenwriter or from the director exactly, but it's like, if we slow down a little bit, then we're a serious movie. Yeah. Right. And then we can have like these serious parts or something instead of just being, you know, like part of the movie is completely screwball Mm -hmm. fun, goofy by design, right? Like it's supposed to be right. But this ended up like the trailer is giving you a movie that's somewhere in the area of like stripes, or, uh, you know that yeah. that I guess that kind of realm of just being crazy yeah. screwball. It's just actiony, sure, right? But it's but it's, it's so, somewhere it's yeah. somewhere in that section of DVDs at the rental store, right? You know, I mean right. it's it's some kind of just screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. But then there's like another half of the movie that's trying to be really serious. That's right. way overplaying right. the CIA and Topher Grace yeah. and and trying to make it it's like it. It's like the movie could not make the CIA bastards enough, and so it always had to have another step of bastardness. Yeah. And it it became such a like uh, this weird like kind of movie tilting at windmills kind of mm. I demand they or bastardy get something right. else in it was like pretty soon there were the cia has secret monsters and you yeah, know, it just was, kept going yeah that was an interesting movie. and i and i don't think it i don't think in a lot of ways it was the movie that i expected to see in the trailer if if the right person was directing the movie i thought was coming in the trailer i would expect it to be like nine or ten if it had the right yeah screenplay that seemed like it was that in the trailer, you get the idea that Topher Grace is like the higher up in the CIA, the guy, the man, right, right, or yeah. whatever. 
but he's like a legitimate character in the trailers Mm -hmm. in the movie i don't think he is at all he's just you know twirling his mustache riding around his black hat right being you know evil for the sake of being evil and it's like uh, you know don't they have like psyche valves at the cia or does nobody passes and and they talk about how he's been in the position he's in for the last two two years or whatever like has no one been in that part of the building for the whole last two years (laughs) they just kind of give him a promotion and then like and they actually let him let him loose and say literally say that no one will ever look at you again you just do whatever you want get whatever and and he's doing a bunch of stuff on the sly but i mean seriously does no one pay attention to anything that's and it's just it's just so that he can be this like weird horrible you know, bad guy from like a forties Western right. where it's like, just likes to, you know, Black step on hat. people's necks right. and, yeah. and stuff like that. And, well, and it, and it keeps going. It would be one thing right, if it doesn't he, stop. Yeah. It would keep, it'd be one thing if he was like that to a certain extent, but it like keeps going. Even when you're past the point where you go, no one could cover this up anymore. Right. I mean, he cannot get out of this. Yeah. Once they shut the for like a long time, it's like he he, he's got no end game or way out. There's nothing that can happen where he's going to go back to work on Monday and go, "What? Yeah, I I, I don't know what you're talking about." Right. I mean, and And that part of it goes a little crazy. I think the movie and the trailer could have been made that would have been awesome. Well, when I saw that, when I saw the trailer, you know, I'm I'm giving it a little bit above average because when it worked for me, it worked enjoyably. And and when it didn't work for me, it, it actually a lot of the film just felt kind of like it was it wasn't having fun. Like it had it had plotted its own course. And it was gonna stay to it. And I'll give it credit for that. It doesn't get a better rating for it, but it it kind of commits to a story and stays to it. When it's not doing the best things that it does infrequently, it just feels kind of joyless. Yeah. It, you know, it and, really and, does. And at some point specifically it's not necessarily timed and i don't think it's a purposeful direction but there's a moment later when jesse eisenberg's character mike he's kind of like he's becoming a badass he's starting to realize you know i don't don't even know my history i can't remember my parents all these things and he starts to truly believe he's a robot like and Kristen stewart's job is like you're not a robot and and you get the, the metaphor there and it's funny there are a lot of like little allegory things working like he's basically not saying like I don't feel good. I feel neutral. I'm so high. I, I'm just blah. He he thinks he's a real robot. Like right. he's Terminator. Right. And she's trying to answer like you're a human being. You've got and, feelings and, it's, and stuff. And but, it's fun because he's he's such a weird like yeah. stoner guy he's or whatever. Quirky kind of. But but then she's like you're not a robot. He's like how do you know? Right. Like, the, and then it's because really I'm thinking right. Like and, he's and, not and then he's that. and he's walking around and there are some good lines that like yeah. connect to this where all of a sudden he starts going, how do I know what all these tanks are? Right. And he's like, seriously, like there's something really weird yeah. in my mind. Maybe I'm a robot. Maybe, right. And it's like the files are being I accessed. Love, or I love whatever. that. Yeah. I love those moments where there's like a double kind of entendre thing going on where he's not just talking about being, you know, not feeling or complicated he's he actually thinks he's a robot right you know? but but there are there are things like when i watched the trailer i wasn't necessarily jazzed about it and i actually really like jesse eisenberg like you i don't remember a thing that he was in maybe if i had to pick like the worst thing i've seen him in it would be now you see me now you don't like that might have been 
Yeah, but you I, know that it, I, even the, even then that. even then I don't know that it's him. Right. I just he's don't like that, that movie. Right. And I like him, and yeah. he's you know this is not necessarily one might say. But I, I actually was talking to a friend earlier today, and he was talking about like, are you really surprised that this wasn't that you know the film that you thought it was? And I went, yeah, he was in Zombieland, and he was great. Like right. this is kind of in that vein. Um, when I saw the trailer, it it screamed to me that it wanted to be like the bastard child of that Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy film wanted and, yeah. and gross point blank. Like what it looks to me. And, and what's really funny is it almost follows gross point blank in a, in a lot of ways, like to a T like there's a lot of like Connie Britton is the Dan Aykroyd character. There's right. all these things that are going on. And, and as far as like a stoner comedy goes, it's really, I don't even know if I would consider it a stoner comedy, even though the main character is a big pothead. You know, it, it's like an incidental versus like in a lot of stoner comedies, it almost seems like the act of the story is to go get weed or right. to get your friend out of jail because he had weed on. I mean, something like that. But I wasn't that I was that necessarily wowed by the trailer, but I thought, you know, he, he's got a good streak going. And I'm not as necessarily bothered by Kristen Stewart as everybody else is. No, even I, though we had to sit through I think you know, she, I think she's been good in most things that I've seen her in in the last five years. She's been really this, Film. And in this film, she's actually very good, yeah. especially when the movie on its on its best merits works when there's an emotional gravity to it. Right. And sometimes that comes in really weird places. But when there are like deflections of, of emotions between the two of them, like early on when he has panic attacks and he can't, he screws up this trip. Oh, yeah. In bed, like there's a real like sense of intimacy there. And I and I feel like they actually do you know care about each other. And and her her ability to sell like that weird relationship on right. him works for me. The stuff that really that, that really worked later is there's a real emotional moment between Affer, which is the Walton Goggins character, and and Mike when they're trying to kill each other and they have this dialogue and he, he puts this is why I love Walton so much. Like whatever he's got, you give him sixty seconds and he'll make one of the best parts of the film. He just sells that whole thing and and Mike is supposed to still be kind of stoic. And that was kind of what I was roundabout getting to, which is I don't think the film in the latter half becomes robotic because we're supposed to be, you know, on his side of being like, I'm, I'm maybe a robot. I just think it's like it loses its passion isn't the real word. I, mean, I guess yeah. joy is really it, the only word I can figure you out. You know, yeah, I think it takes uh, it takes the first part of the movie where it's this fun, almost like almost to the point of being kind of silly, right? Yeah. Um, where it, as you see in the trailer, you know, all of a sudden he just kills these guys with a spoon, right? Yeah, you know, the, they're, they're right. the two guys and he's like, stop messing with my car or yeah, whatever. Right. And, and then all of a sudden he kills these guys and doesn't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, calls his girlfriend and says, I just killed two right. guys. And she's like, cool, right. <laughs> you know, right. whatever. And, and that is like goofy fun. Right. And the whole thing that's fun about the movie is just the premise of, right. What if there was this guy who, you know, and then we see in the trailer, like he gets activated, right? You know, what if there's this guy who doesn't know and right. then gets activated and still doesn't know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people are killing him and he's like, what the hell's going on? And, and, you know, there's like a part in the trailer. If you just put, you know, all the best stuff in the movie, unfortunately, you get yeah. the trailer, right? right. But there's this part where, you know, then he's like, I, I don't know what's going on. I keep killing people. Right. And it's and just running with that gag, yeah, 
could potentially just be hilarious right right but then this movie is like if you took you know something like kick-ass right but then for the last you know 45 minutes of it had this whole like weird serious line you were going right. where all of a sudden you know nothing fun happened for like a really Daddy long really time dies, dies bad and no one has anything after and, yeah and, and then we just talk about that for right. like the rest a of the movie right yeah. i mean it 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 just it slows down and all of a sudden it, it, you think what you're going into from the trailer is just a movie about this guy right <laughs> and it out what they're like slipping you is like this movie about the cia or bastards right and we're going right. to tell you all the different ways they're yeah. bastards and show it to you from different angle and yeah. and not only is he crazy but he's like building his secret army of crazy people right. like who are actually legitimately that, like yeah <laughs> excuse me and it, it you know it's it's just so weird that it just kind of it slams on the brakes said right but we we tricked you into thinking this was this hilarious movie and we want to and i guess to a certain extent there is like if you're watching hitman there is a point where it kind of gets serious yeah but like with all the big daddy stuff but it's it doesn't just stop being fun it's like still it it's just so weird this uh, this movie is like okay fine here's your like really fun gag and everything but I mean, come on. We have to make a movie that has a bunch of serious stuff. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Why do I have to do that? I it, well, and be be one movie or another. Right. And it Topher Grace's character, who can be fun in certain parts. There are certain scenes where he kind of works and it's it's fun, especially the earlier it is. But even at the very beginning, you know, he jumps down britain's throat right and and she's even saying to him like you know you're not anything and then it's like he's got you know short man syndrome yeah. where he you know it just it just makes him feel better to kick puppies right. and be uh you know it things th- thing happen he's dastardly but right. he's like he's like meek dastardly yeah. you know he's like in right. the in the western of bad guys he's like the little guy who hires a bunch of big guys right he's not with them he's not the big guy who's the leader himself right he's the little guy who like has a lot of money and hires the muscle and as soon as anything happens there's even a part in the movie as soon as something happens he's just diving behind behind his biggest guy yeah his big guys and it's just this weird like you're supposed to see through his psyche somehow to like the little kid that he right. was that made him this person right where you know he really at, at a certain point it's like he can't even get anything out of anything mm-hmm. except that maybe he'll get to kill this guy yeah it's like this bizarro like power struggle where you know, so the CIA wants to kill. I mean, right. we, we could give away some of the movie at right. some point. Yeah. Um, but uh, the CIA, except him, mm-hmm. uh, Topher Grace, because he's in charge. And Mike is really Connie Britton's asset that they basically let go and right. abandon and, and put him in the thing. What? But he keeps trying to leave town. So Topher Grace says, ah, forget it. We'll just kill him. Yeah. 
But then, and so that's the story that we're running with as an excuse that there are people who are trying to kill him. But then after a certain point, like really he can't get anything out of this. And he's, you know, he's going to blow up the whole town. He's going to send in a hundred guys to get killed if he needs to, you know, pretty soon you expect tanks to start rolling on the city just to kill this one guy. And eventually so much has happened and it's on the news everywhere. And we're trying to work these like cover stories to uh, explain away what's going on. But after a certain point, there's nothing he can get out of it anymore. Even if he kills him or whatever, it's not like he can go, okay, well now we can just pack up and everything's fine. I mean, he goes beyond so far beyond the point of being an actual person person Mm -hmm. you know he's just like this weird evil incarnate who is not doing anything anymore for any reason and you know part of the worst thing for me is that um when you're writing your your goofy story right you know like there's the part where the other at the cia finally goes no i'm not going to listen to you right and and so that works out and it's kind of fun and Topher Grace throws a fit like a 40 year old right? right but at some point no one else is listening to him either yeah i mean there is maybe his crazy cia guys like maybe Walt Goggins is still on board right, with yeah, him or whatever right. but there's like a whole military yeah. troop there and everything and they're just not following yeah. him anymore. I mean, I I know people have seen the bad movies about the army and right, people who right. just do whatever they're told, but this guy's like going, you know, go out into the town of civilians and kill all the babies. And they right. go, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there's a part there, you know, I understand what you're saying too, but there's a part there about that story that I actually like, you know, it's, it's not that, and, and you see kind of how Topher Grace, his character is, unsupervised and kind of left alone, whether he's in a corner office somewhere or he's just been like the interim director of some broom closet. Right. And he assumes a certain amount of power and without the responsibility of having gotten that power legitimately abuses that power. And then, and then when he finally shows up, you know, in the town and he sees that it looks like really been like a swine flu outbreak, like they've got tents and there's cameras and all these things. And he's barking. He's like, I said, subtle, you right. know, and you kind of get the point that he's inept anyway. He couldn't control this. But now that he's here, he's like, I don't care. We're here. We're going to do it. We're going to burn this thing down. Like right. you said on and on. I actually kind of like that because um, it's working on a different level than Mike's uh, Mike and Phoebe's story, which is I, I, I kind of appreciated the satire of like a government operation. You know, uh, and you're right. Obviously, there's no way the guy could go right. back to work Monday. And right. He welcomed back. You know, he, I, I like the theory of that story. Yeah. I, I like the uh, I like the story of what happens with Topher Grace, especially going back and forth with Connie Britton, and then eventually right. going back and forth with Kristen Stewart. Right. Um, I I like that on paper. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like if you were selling me the movie and didn't have the whole script, and right. you and you you know the bullet list of what's going to happen that probably looks good yeah i don't like the way that it actually worked out though it's just everything was too far one of the you know i actually kind of when we started the film and and like you said earlier for a short film i mean we can't really complain too much this is only an hour and a half long i guess it's 135 but you know there's stuff there's credits and things oh 
there's nothing at the end of the film for anyone that likes when we keep track, but there is kind of like an animated conclusion to the movie while the credits that, roll. That just keeps you, going. You, you don't have right. to stay. You don't have to special. wait for it either. Right. It, it's it not like you have to wait a while right. and then it's there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're watching the film and I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's, it's, if you're a fan of these kind of films, you know, a lot of them and it's not that hard to see that this is kind of like a Jason Bourne kind of character, a guy with somewhat of a form of amnesia who just starts killing everybody around him and, and on and on. And I thought they were going to really run with that. You know, it, all these little tongue in cheek nod things in the film that they later abandoned, or maybe they just threw in out of respect, but like the, the whole thing takes place in Lyman, Virginia and the director of, and the guy who did the, Jason Borden films is Doug Lyman. And I'm thinking, right. oh, this is, there's going to be all kinds of like little in jokes like this. Right. And not so much, you know, it <laughs> no. just, it, there's maybe a nod, you know, a respect nod to it. But it, it just, it felt so weirdly uneven for 90 minutes. You know, it just felt like, um, when it was when it was playful and coy and maybe the film that I thought it was going to be with all the little inside jokes, it was really working on something. Yeah. And then and it wasn't even just it wasn't even the Connie Britton Topher Grace stuff that distracted it. It was just I felt like the film maybe like you said earlier, I guess it felt like it committed too hard to this decision. It was like we're not going to even if we feel like we're going to have more fun with it. We can't. Right. Because it, it says it, we've got to be serious. It, it was like 40. there. it was like there was a weird meta thing happening with the movie where right. the people making the movie were actually Topher Grace's character. Right. And they just were like, we're here now. Right. I, oh, I already shot we that part. Go now. Right. Yeah. They're like, I already shot yeah. that part where Topher Grace is a real asshole. So we're going to just keep, going, keep going, going with that with yeah. and, but and see film, what happens. For a film that shows actual like, like it had moments. And, and again, I actually think most of those moments come from the other characters. Although, there's a running gag in here that, you know, uh, Mike and Phoebe are a couple. They've been a couple for a long time, at least five years, and right. he's going to propose to her. Right. And, and the thing that keeps happening, he keeps pulling the ring out of his pocket while gunfire and explosions. I, I, liked, I liked all of that. I liked that very it, much. Except I didn't absolutely love the finale of it. Except of it was it, it was like close. Well, this is I but, think that in my way, in my mind, like that's the epitome of the whole film. Right. Because they had decided that it has to be a point. And even if it didn't work in the film, really like the way it felt, it, you knew it had to be done. Right. But they had sold it and, and they had to stick to and, it. And, and what and what they did was they had uh they had that final moment written down where like they're like, this is where it's gonna end. Right. And then they're like, okay, so now we have to throw bunch of things earlier on where you know to build it up and sell it he's got to right. keep pulling out the ring right. at, at certain times and and it turned out that all of the times he pulled out the ring earlier were better every single one of them were were, were, were right. cooler moments yep. when when you're like going dude what are you why are you thinking about that right now right. and it was really cool because he's such a he's such a weird guy yeah that he might think about it and go, no, this is at the this time or whatever. It, right, right. And those were all great moments. And then you get to the end and I think you're making movies. And if you know what you're doing, you would clearly go, we need to change this a little. Yeah. Sure, this is where we thought we were getting, but now with everything else we've got, right. this should be a little different. And then it was like the first thing they shot in the movie was the part where they, yeah. where they shoot Kristen Stewart. Right. And, and like she says, oh, come on, can't we have a, and they, right. that was the first thing yeah. that happened. They were like, well, oh, because, we've that because, that, 
because I like that. (laughs) And that's how that happens. And that's how it's going to go down. And there was, but you know, the other thing about this movie too, is it's nice and short, but it also feels like among all of the other criticisms that we have of it, it feels like there's a lot of it that must be on the cutting room floor because there's a lot of stuff that happens that you think surely they didn't just do that. Right. And you know, they, they had more of a, a scheme going on and, uh, you know, spoiler alert. Um, we're going to talk about later surprises. Uh, so if you don't want to hear the little surprise thing, then yeah. I, I guess tune out or tune something. Out I, I don't know. But the, the whole part where they reveal that Kristen Stewart it was his handler, right? Was like a sleeper agent and him. was supposed to set him up in the town. Yeah. And then leave. leave. And she gets up her whole real life just to be his girlfriend and be a stoner with him in Lyman nowhere America yeah and and just you know work at the bail bonds place and he works at the you know gas and sip yeah and she is like a you know agent of some repute apparently like she was going places maybe she had a future um and in a pretty short time, she gives up her whole life to just be his, to just be his girlfriend. Yeah. And then they go, yeah, so that's what happened. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. That's too big of a decision. <laughs> yeah. It's like there has, there has right. to be some scenes right. where some more stuff happens. And, you know, he freaks out because, you know, and he's like, how do you know what the gas is? And, right. and, you and know, that, was that a, stuff was, yeah. that stuff I thought not only was it cool, it was it was a pretty good scene. And then when they're fighting in the car, it's like a pretty good part and everything. Yeah. And uh, and you know the big reveal or whatever. Right. But not only was that cool, but I was like, oh, now see, now we could like get into something. Right. And, and now now we could have some stuff. And yeah. they're like, nope, nah. nope. We gotta just, tell this. Just she's gone. Just give you that he has he has to yeah. rescue her and. Well, even, I, I thought really that was going to build into somewhere. some stuff. Yeah, I did too. Even and it kind of hints that it does. Even if it, even while it is legitimately like, you know, putting its arm out to keep its distance from it, it's still flirting a little. little right. He's still having a, tr- a trouble of reconciling. Like, what are you really my girlfriend? You know, what was real? Right. And she's like everything except these. That you know. Right. I, I agree. There was probably a fair amount of. of interesting stuff left on the floor but for me there's a few scenes that don't work in a weird way and it's not a thing but i also think that sometimes they just use the wrong take you know there's there's a famous i I completely agree not a famous but there's a there's a predominant uh moment that's it's featured very prominently in the trailer where uh jesse eisenberg's character has called her he's just killed his first two people you know when he's got in this like the the slogan or the tagline for the film he's like uh you know they had guns and knives and they were being total dicks like that's such a slacker right you know right. university kind of so i killed them because not because they were trying to hurt me but they're dicks right so she comes and it's in the trailer again i'm not giving anything away and he, and he's talking about you know we gotta go we gotta we get high she turns and she goes you want to go get high like she's all excited like yeah let's do it we have it's been 10 minutes and that's the worst take of the film for her character. Cause now later we know she knows he's in trouble. She knows what's coming. Right. She knows all these things. She wouldn't because she later has those moments. She, she, she knows, does. she knows there's some 
to right. find out. And and right. she also knows that though it may have been a bit of a not an act, but a cover. You know, they're actually kind of living this cover because he may be. I mean, I guess she has to have the realization once you know later she's the operative she is. He might be reactivated. Right. You know, so they just are living a cover life, but it's a real crappy kind of life. But she would never act that way. Her character. Yeah that take though she's good in it and i know why they used it right it's not right like it doesn't fit any part of her at all except that it's a good moment except that and it, there were others it, like it, that along it only the way. fits the part that's a you know that's a classic um horrible thing movies do when there's some secret the audience doesn't know until later right is that um you know and this happens all the times all the time in movies the characters act uh, in the earlier part of the movie like they don't know either. Right. They may not like the right. And they, and they do. Right. <laughs> and they're yeah. supposed to. Yeah. And then, and then you go back and look at it yeah, and, and like, you go, no and you go, well, wait a minute, way. because she knew the whole right. time. I just didn't know. Right. And, and then if you start looking at movies to like rewatch them, right. When it's stuff like that, it comes apart. That's, that's, always for me uh, a killer kind of yeah kind of thing because you don't have to give things away you know a good example is uh certain parts of like the movie dark city yeah where there are secrets to know and there are people who know them and rufus sewell doesn't know shit because he knows nothing but if you go back and watch it they don't give anything away but the characters who know things ahead of time they still act they still do things in a way that when you watch it again, you know right. that you know they know. You just didn't recognize right. it before right. because you didn't know. Yeah. Right. And you're right. In this movie, there's a lot of the earlier stuff that Kristen Stewart does. It's not even just that one scene, but when you start replaying as you soon as back. as soon as you find out and you start replaying it in your mind, and you're like, Well, uh, you know, right. like um, wouldn't that jail scene have gone differently? Yeah. You know, it knowing what he really know knows, knows right and absolutely you know anyway um so we should move on a little bit because i do actually want to talk about the critic takedown a little anyway yeah. and uh we're getting low on time so but basically you know it's still fun it it's not yeah. awful um, it, yeah it actually it, it, it's still fun it's movie. still a fun just, time yeah it's just for I me i would say that Look. i know it's very disappointing for me because right. i had pretty high hopes that this was going to be some kind of like kick-ass type yeah fun ride of a movie yeah. for a long time and just every time it like really slows down it just it, it yeah. it's just no fun at all anymore right. and sometimes for a long time for a big stretch yeah. and uh even things like um you know they they go see john Leguizamo right. and when they're when they want to hide out and everything and that whole scene you know, you've got jesse eisenberg tripping out and Kristen stewart who's been a lot of fun and you've got john Leguizamo, and like right. nothing fun happens right it's right. like that whole scene of going to his little hideout and it's like, you know, yeah. there are a couple lines that are maybe amusing. maybe slightly amusing, yeah. but that whole thing could be it just awesome, tries, it, right? It, it tries way too hard. You you, know? you could just not even have a script. Right. And just, and yeah, just, just like let, it, them, let go, them go do what they want. And it yeah. would have been way better scene. Well, you know? for me, like you said, I mean, we're going to get out of this, but for me, it was not a bad film by any means. It was just not a fun film, you know, and when it was real joyless, it was 
again, that's not bad. It was just kind of boring. But yeah. it was it was a curious movie. Like there were things there that were really great and they just kind of sifted over it. Like right. they were panning for gold. They didn't even see it when they had it. Right. And and that's too bad. So, yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh so anyway, um, yeah. So and you're five and a half. Five and a half. And uh, you know, I still a little above average. I still kind of want to recommend it a little though, because it is see, still fun. Every once in so. a while we'll see a film where I actually don't think people are going to be wild by it, but I want to have a conversation about it. Right. And this is one of those, like, see it and we'll talk. So you, so you want to make right. them see it. Yeah. I just, if... Cause it'll be fun to talk to people and see like, did you fail this way? Did you think this way? And... I'll tell you though, if you see the trailer and you don't think that it's going right. to be that great, right. then stay away from it for sure. Cause right. then you're going to hate it. Probably yeah, <laughs> that it's very much. that it's really going to be awful. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the the critic takedown. We're just going to go back actually to the things like I said from when I did my top ten list. So this okay. is actually uh, things I have already covered, but we haven't looked at on the show. Yeah. Um. So it's two movie two movies from last year that are in my top ten. The two movies are Force Majeure. Right. Uh. And and uh, awesomely, they're uh, both Swedish movies. Yeah, uh, we are the best, and Force Majeure, which uh, Force Majeure was the uh, that was a- official selection uh, yeah. for foreign film for the Academy Awards. Yeah, got nominated, lost to I want to say Ida. I think it was. Um, I think Ida won. Which got golden? Oh, it got Golden Globe which, nominated too. It which, was it was taking all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, nominations yeah and uh you know ida by the way not on my top 10 list but still an awesome movie right um anyway force majeure so uh, these are like i said the whole reason that i found these so interesting was because i wanted to look at the movies both of these movies on rotten tomatoes or metacritic massively highly rated yeah Um, force majeure is still 87 which is absolutely nothing short of impressive right like that's hard to get uh when i wrote my top 10 list they both were hovering like right around 92 or 93 yeah and 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 had very few uh low ratings and uh like on rotten tomatoes if you you know on rotten tomatoes you can do the all the critics and then the top critics you know yeah so the top critics um for we are the best this was the only bad review and uh, of all critics, <laughs> okay. there were a couple more yep. and uh, force majeure was more or less the same way, except I think there might've been one, one other top critic who That's also really look rated, rated yeah. it really low, but everybody else really, really high, high on these movies. And, um, so the person that we're looking at is Richard Brody of the New Yorker. Oh Yeah who um that's a name by and large that is a name that yeah. that is a person that people uh probably prob- might have heard of if you pay attention yeah, you to pay critics, attention critics at, at all, main, main you may know who called. richard brody is yeah he is also a person that almost invariably is on the absolute opposite end of every spectrum right well, if i love it he hates it sure <laughs> if i hate it he loves it yep. uh if i'm largely indifferent to it he thinks it's the greatest thing that ever happened i don't know where we are very frequently on opposite ends of the spectrum yeah in this case it just stands out more because uh because everybody liked these movies on, right. on uh rotten tomatoes and everything so force 
Sure. Um, you know, I, I really love his review because it counts in the Rotten t- Rotten Tomatoes thing, and yet it's like one paragraph review. And it's not it's not even a one paragraph review. It's like a two sentence review because yeah. it still talks about the plot of the movie, and that takes up some time, right? Right. I mean, it says, uh, you know, the movie French Alps, a middle class Swedish family takes a ski vacation, and uh, blah blah blah. You right. know, the the basic idea of what happens is that it seems like an avalanche is coming. Uh, Father Tomas <laughs> bolts from the table in fear, leaving his family sitting there. So he does like explain what's going on in the movie. And then he says, now you saw this one or you didn't. This is, this is one I still haven't seen. You still haven't seen. Okay. Um, So writer, director, I know all about it though. Ruben Ostland presents the members of the new family as stereo. He finds glimmers of psychological depth only in supporting characters and, you know, including a woman that uh, the wife meets and a divorced man who also shows up at the re- resort. He's still, like, not saying anything. Right. Uh, so little but the children's fears of the parents has adequate weight. Uh, and, and it says the director's crisp, repressed direction in itself is a stereotype. <laughs> and his teasing script and convenient resolutions offer only superficial ironies. And it, and then it says a peculiarly haunting ending offers more mystery and curiosity in a single shot than does the entire story that precedes it. And that's it. That's his whole. That's, that's his, his whole, whole review. That's his whole review of the movie. Yeah. And uh, that turns into a uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, review of really low. I don't even remember, but right. you know, basically. It's like he hates the movie so much he can't even be bothered to like tell you anything right. about it or why he doesn't like it. It's like it's so bad I'm not even going to tell you why it's bad. But he doesn't say anything, and the movie is awesome. I loved this movie yeah. so much that it was odd. It was like a surreal movie because I was watching the movie, and the whole time I was going, "Shut up! This movie, this is not right. really happening." Yeah. Right? And it's so good. And the parents and the members of the family are anything but stereotypes. Yeah. Um, first of all, the dad who runs away and leaves his family to die in the avalanche right. is not a stereotype. Right. That's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not like, uh, oh, God, if I see another movie where the dad <laughs> abandons his family in a where the dad like leaves his family yeah. on the train track yeah. <laughs> right. jumps to safety himself or you know whatever yeah and everything about the the awesomeness of this movie really is um first of all his direction is insanely good i, I think i mean I, I i don't i don't know maybe maybe me and everyone else are wrong but uh, <laughs> Direction is so cool because even when I reviewed this movie, I said the the script is so good that he could have just wrote the novel, mm-hmm. which would have been like best-selling instant classic novel, right. except that he would have to be able to describe what's going on as well as he can show it with the camera. And maybe he can't do that. And so he had to make a movie because right. everything he shows is so awesome. The scenes where he the scenes where nothing really happens except that you see things, mm-hmm. but it's like the, it's like the snow is like mocking the dad. Yeah. You know? Right. 
that's awesome yeah that's awesome putting scenes togetherness you know and just every little nuance of how his wife talks to him or looks at him or from there on the very like subtle ways that she responds to him uh, it's so good yeah and there's you know i would i want to say that the things he says are wrong it, but he doesn't say anything except right. that, except that he says that everyone's a stereotype and the direction is a stereotype, right? Which the direction is not a stereotype at all. Yeah. Uh, the direction is, first of all, it's, it, it's so weird that it, it takes the place and like makes it a person. It's almost like um, in certain ways, it reminds kind of of watching like North by Northwest right? from a direction standpoint. Yeah where you like see character in these frames and like kind of can't believe that you're seeing it. And and so I'm like, if that's a stereotype of directing, (laughs) then there are a lot of really awesome directors out there and it's become cliche to be good. good. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's just weird. But so anyway, that's that one. It's, it's a horrible review anyway. But it's it's awesome movie. And it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, again, this is one that slipped slipped past me, and I still I need to check it out because I when it comes up, everyone who who talks about it, that's the first guy I've ever seen who didn't rave about it. Right. You know, about its subtlety, about it, about its quiet familial horror. Like what right. if you had this moment and you abandoned everybody that you loved and then it didn't happen and you had to face them. And then, the rest and of then your you lives. have to go back to work like, on that's, Monday. That's, right. It's the exact like that thing. whole thing is what we're all afraid of. <laughs> Right. You know, we're all afraid of giving a speech naked, you know, and but- then and then it's like, OK, I, I'm going to say for in case there are any live listeners, we're going to go over um, for a little bit at least and, and talk about these. But it is it's exactly it's such a weird script, actually, yeah. that um, it's it's not about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not getting anywhere. It's right. not like we're moving toward the end and then something will happen. Right. Right. It's just this thing happened and, and then here's and then it. here's what here's happened. Yeah. Right. And and it's so it's so awesomely, it's weird to like call them stereotypes. It's so weird to call them stereotypes because the wife is such a you know exact, well-rounded, mm-hmm. real real reactions right. to what's going on and how she handles it and and he's got to try to figure out some way to yeah. like save the rest of his life, right? <laughs> and still be that sounds so stereotypical. Who he is. right? I, I mean, mean but his review didn't even sound like he didn't see the film. It's strange. It actually, again, I don't. Well, how do I know I didn't see it yet either? But it does. You know, you like sometimes you read something, you're like, he just watched the. It isn't even in the film, but he just sounded like he hated it, which is really weird, right? It didn't hate it, it for a reason that it's tangible except things that don't exist. Except like I don't like stereotypical, it. Right. But it's not, but that's what I'm going to say it. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but that's what I say a lot right, when should, I don't like things. We're going to um, we'll say bye and then we'll. Yeah. So, so. Uh, it is, it's going to go over yeah. and, but I always like we'll when we live. do the critic takedown specifically, I know you're going to jump to the next one, but with someone like Richard Brody, like what I do then is if he hates a film, not because everybody else loved it, because there are films that I hate, that everyone loves. I know oh, there are sure, films that yeah. you hate that everyone loves and vice versa. Uh, I try to find, okay, well, what's this guy's sweet spot? What does he like? Right. I, I don't know. Right. I can't even find his, I can't even find his reviews on 
critic, which isn't a validator. It means they, they funny. But. Yeah, uh, there's 10 seconds until right, the live well, show ends. Well, so thanks for tuning in, yeah. and uh, we'll see you later. Um, <laughs> the, very matter of fact. I love it. Right. Now, the the really fun thing that like really nailed me into Richard Brody is, yeah. uh, I, so like we said, Everybody has liked We Are the Best. Yeah. There are very few people who hate it. Now, this yeah, that's, this that's now easy. this one you've seen. I didn't see it. You didn't see this one either? No, it's all, it, you gave, you have me like three or four <sighs> films to see, and it's it's right there. Yeah, okay. But this also, for for whatever background that I can offer real quick, is this is highly rated. Well, it's is like 87 or 89, and right. there's only like one middling review. Richard Brody, if that's still the guy, it's not even showing up on Metacritic. But they must have factored it in to bring it down a little bit, right? Because uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, you've told meta- me so meta- much about this film, honestly. As a quick side, you've told me so much about We Are the Best and great detail. I feel like I have seen it because <laughs> right. I, I feel I, like I could go on. Right I know now these and just people. Tell everything that happens, right. but yeah, I haven't actually uh, literally watched the whole thing yet. This is another one where it's such it's such a good movie and in almost the exact same way in some parts. Like it's just so about everything and it's so bizarrely real, right? It's about like 13, maybe 14 year old girls who start a punk band, you know, basically like on a dare to themselves almost because uh, they, they go to like this rec center in Sweden and it's, you know, they want to just, screw with people and they're right. like well we're a band right and so and so they're a band and they start a band and they like punk rock but anyway they're kind of like outsiders and it's it's such a weirdly real uh i guess just the it develops and it's the graphic level which is uh by the director's wife mm-hmm. so you know he directs his wife's own graphic novel whatever but it's such a uh, honest and like refreshingly real version of how events unfold in a little kid's life, right? And right. it's it's not even really like coming of age, you know. It's it's just age. Right. <laughs> it's right. just being thirteen. <laughs> it's not really being thirteen and then going aha. Now I feel more adult because whatever happened. It's just I'm. Th- and some stuff happened right? right and 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 no one is ever trying to sell you on any you know great platitudes of you know here's all the wisdom of youth or whatever anyway it's it's this really fun movie and it's these uh three girls in the end it starts with these two who are best friends wrangle this other girl into their group and the three of them and it's it's just they're existing and going through stuff and, and basically trying to find some way to have like some self-esteem. Right. And they're like kind of outsiders and yet they, they kind of have self-esteem in a way. And then, but you know, when they go home, you see them like painfully not having self-esteem, like, you know, like every 13 year old, I guess, or whatever. I mean, you just, they they go home and they think they're not cool, you know, whatever, right. what, whatever the problem of the day is anyway. But so uh, the thing that, like I said, really set me off is that he mentions the Rotten Tomatoes uh, percentage in his review of the movie. <laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> he says, it's more worthwhile. This is like the very beginning of, of 
it's more worthwhile to review movies for view reviews, but it's impossible not to notice the 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for We Are the Best, a pallid and terminally cutesy movie that succeeds by stoking blandly happy feelings. Wow. Work of self-congratulatory and sentimental escapism for the art house audience, a sort of no sex yet and carefree city view of growing up. It feeds fantasies of a virtually infinite tolerance, an absence of substantial conflict, a nostalgic take on Scandinavian mellow that seems to have less to do with the way things actually were than with the Disneyland view of the past, which Every single word in all of that is absolutely untrue. It's right. so it's so bizarre. Like it's <sighs> like it's condemning the movie for possibly being kind of real. And then at the same time, it says, but it has less to do with the way things actually were than with a Disneyland view of the past. But like all the stuff, it's like this uh that there's there's no substantial conflict and and which I guess I mean there isn't <laughs> substantial right conflict there. right but um, but anyway it says uh, we are the best markets the very idea of ordinariness a mild and sweetened ordinariness of a calculated narrowness and a calculated safety a life of trivial differences and infinitesimal efforts of smooth transitions and cushioned experience. Which I think is the most bizarre thing to say about this movie because it's it's totally true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except that it's exactly why I like it. It's yeah. Because it's just real people. Right. And not having to have them do anything you know, extraordinary or be like, you know, they don't have to take their band and then get famous and then like shit happens or whatever yeah it's just these 13 year old girls having an ordinary life and that's why it's awesome and it's exactly why he hates it i guess it's like uh it's like this is and what's awesome about the movie is that it's completely ordinary it it's not special people it's not you know it's just completely normal 13 year old girls and things that year old girls really do yeah. Not things that movie 13 year old girls do. Yeah. Right? right. It's not, you know, they don't break out into song while they're dancing their way to their next class or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever crazy things happen. It's just completely ordinary. And, and yet without even doing anything or having them have to have any great moments or, you know, breakfast club kind of you know magical thing happen yeah. or whatever right. they still say all this awesome stuff about life <laughs> and being 13 and being a non-adult when you are an adult right. and all this like awesome stuff about just being ordinary yeah and he hates that that's what the movie is about i guess uh i've looked i, I i've been looking and and I've also been looking for Richard Brody's reviews and I found a bunch and of eight pages I haven't found a positive review yet. I think he just hates films. <laughs> he just like hates there are some there are some middling middling ones. Like he's actually kind of neutral about the Melissa McCarthy spy films. And he's kind of neutral 
a little neutral negative about the the comedy last year let's be cops like i, I it just seems like he's unhappy with movies and i wonder if maybe if maybe he's a music writer or something who's been made to write movie reviews because he doesn't seem to really like any of the, not not movies that we like but i i'm looking through lists and lists and lists of his films that he's reviewed and there's really nothing positive <laughs> he just doesn't like, like he any just movies. really doesn't seem to like them which is strange right uh okay so anyway so anyway um he goes on for a while this one's at least not one paragraph long he go, he goes on for a couple of paragraphs and basically just uh describes you at know least he wrote a review this time d- describes what happens in the movie right? right and and then he gets into a little more stuff and he says uh the movie offers cuteness as a unifying principle in in this movie everyone is cute from the protagonist to their parents especially Clara's father with his clarinet and his loud cheerfulness to the boy punk rockers. They meet to Clara's brother, to the gym teacher whose gruff ways spark Bobo and Clara's musical revolt. But Moodyson doesn't have an aesthetic principle to match. There's no can retro style to his view of the past. No idea of visual composition that suggests the inner glow of halcyon reminiscences, which is kind of uh, funny. I think it's funny that he thinks that uh, everything and everyone in the movie is cute Uh because I think, I think part of what the movie is kind of doing in a way is really the opposite. Like nothing, everything's just regular, right? It's not cute. And at the beginning, they're kind of cute. Yeah. At the beginning, especially the two girls and Actually, the one who's kind of the main character, I guess, is really cute, right? But then as things go on, it's like, I, I don't know. It's not this, I, I don't know. He has, he has a weird take on, on what that means, I guess. But he doesn't like that everything's cute. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're not going to read his whole review, but there was one part that I really wanted to get to because I thought it was hilarious that he would actually write it. Um, which might be at the end. There's a part where he talks about actually how they look and man, I don't know if I'll, I'll find it right now. Cause it is, it is kind of a long review actually, mm-hmm. but this is actually surprisingly long. Yeah. There's a, but at the end, at the end, you know, he says uh, the optimism of we are the best is far from spontaneous or naive. It's a cynical sale of good feelings, a pious positivity, which with its lack of self-questioning has the chill of propaganda. Why that propaganda should have such strong appeal is another story, which, which, you know, I don't know. I guess if you're cynical enough, you could just find the bad in, in everything, every single thing. But it's it's so the opposite of of yeah. of what the movie really is. And, I, I think and, I, I don't know. Well, maybe you'll just, maybe you'll watch I'm it gonna, and I go, yeah, he's it, exactly right. But it's strange. He's he's actually got this perspective that not, and it's okay to be like the lone voice and you know in the wind. You know, the storm of this store uh, of this movie's like praise is almost universally saying all the same stuff. He's the one that's basically coming out and saying this very one pointed negative direction. And when I hear, you know, it's not that the masses are always right, but sometimes, you know, you got to kind of go with the flow there. He, he genuinely, but saw it's a film doesn't sound like you guys saw at all, but, but it's not even the masses. It's 
masses of critics, right. which is right. a, totally different. A different thing. It's it's one thing to be the critic yeah. who I guess like rails against the opinion of the masses. Sure. You can but, be, you can be a critic in the mass of like a Michael Bay film. You know, right. just be like, look, Transformers, is, the fourth one is stupid. Like, why are you guys giving it your money? But you know, people want some entertainment. There's always reason there. But you know, it's it's not unheard of to find someone who doesn't like you know Selma, for example. And <laughs> that's yeah, I don't see it either. You know, I I I wouldn't be surprised if this has like been edited slightly because Ooh, I, I now I, you're throwing down the gauntlet of like because backing up. I I can't find it, and maybe uh, you know if I sat down and read the whole thing, but I mean I'm like yeah. skimming through. You're skimming the, looking for I, it. I'm skimming yeah. through the whole thing, and I can't find it. But there was this one part where he kind of like called the movie to task in a way because all the girls in the movie look like boys. Yeah. Wow. And you know, to a certain extent, maybe they kind of do, except the one. I guess, but but I was like, really? That's what you're gonna? I, I that's don't know. your nitpicking. That's your maybe. Thorn, maybe it's know? still in there. But yeah. I just, I just uh, loved his his view of it, where everybody else loves it, right? Yeah. And then everything is kind of good about it is exactly what he hates about it like like yeah. what's great about this movie like i said is that it's so ordinary but you know at the very end of the movie and so you know i'll spoil the movie and everything you, but, i've heard it you know. but they well i mean for everybody else. Oh, okay i'm like you've told me this they're uh not spoiling it for me they're constantly saying that they are the best and they have these goofy punk rock songs and it almost becomes their anthem and they finally get sort of a gig yeah kind of with their like their community center where they start all this nonsense goes to somewhere else to, uh perform and the, uh, there's another band and you know they people do stuff and they go on and they're awful yeah they're horrible right they don't really know how to play instruments anyway the one girl kind of knows how to play uh guitar but they don't know what they're doing at all and they're just Screaming crazy, you know, punk yeah. thing. And everyone hates them and they get like booed off the stage. Right. And then they have to get back on the bus with all the other people. And they're all and and they love what they did. Mm -hmm. They think they were they were like, that was awesome, right. you know? And and so the one girl starts, you know, saying we are the best or something. And this old guy from the rec center looks at her and like all of the shit she's put him through for the whole movie and everything and she says no you're the worst and she says shut up we're the best and they are and it's right. awesome and and only because of the whole movie that you've seen them go through and everything and apparently that's that's like a horrible syrupy commercial yeah. for richard brody apparently but it was so fun. Maybe you have to have kids or something. Maybe you have to have yeah, like a well, thirteen-year-old. I'll come back next week. Maybe he does have kids. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe but. he hates. Anyway, uh, uh, that's more than enough time spent on Richard Brody. I, yeah. I suppose. I want to find a good I, review. I, I really encourage everyone, and I'd love to get some emails. Go see these movies. Go read Richard Brody's reviews of these movies, and then tell me. Is that the write us song, in? Right? Write us in and tell us what you think. Um, and other than that, we should get out of here because yeah. we've gone on far too long. Um, you know, I don't know what next week is, but next week, either, but next week might be like kind of catching up a we're movie. We're a little bit behind. We've got The Man from Uncle. We've got Straight Out of Compton. We've got, you know, there's a few things. Something there, is coming out. And there's something to, new coming out. 
so, I mean, yeah, we may try to catch up a little bit. We and, likely and won't watch American Ultra again, but we'll, right. we'll see something. So. Right. And, and there's no reason to think that we won't, our schedules look open for the most part. Sure. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next week <laughs> with some movie. Something to be named later. Right. Yeah. All right. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.